This is Marketing Jam, a podcast featuring the brightest minds in Canadian marketing. Hi there. Welcome to Marketing Jam. I'm your host, Darian Kovacs. The following interview is part of a series of interviews recorded at the Canadian Internet Marketing Conference in beautiful Squamish, BC, where we had the chance to talk to some of the leaders in digital marketing and technology from Canada and around the world. Hope you enjoy the conversation. Hey, welcome to Marketing Jam. I'm Shahid, and this is Ollie Gardner. He's the co-founder of Unbounce, which Unbounce, if you're into marketing and you have a website, you probably know or should know about it, but why don't you tell our, our audience about what Unbounce is? Absolutely. Well, it's a conversion platform for, uh, for marketers. Primary kind of pro- free products in it. You've got landing pages for your marketing campaigns, and then we also launched pop-ups and sticky bars. You know, so put some tools on your website as well, yeah. so cover both sides. Right, and, and this is kind of at the heart of content marketing. Would you, would you agree with that or not? Um, no, it's more, uh, well, you might be using it for that. I mean, landing yeah. pages are just for campaigns, so yeah. it might be doing PPC campaigns or it could yeah. be email, whatever it is. Yeah. And maybe what you're doing is content. Yeah. You know, maybe but it's all about converting. Ebooks or whatever, it might be what you give away, but yeah, it's more about creating that focused experience. Yeah, okay. So I, I read somewhere that you were, and, and I bring up content marketing because obviously the, the talk that you did here at CIMC 2018 is it's about content marketing being broken. Uh, and and I'm, I didn't hear too much of it because I was up here talking to somebody else, but I, right. I'd like to hear what you mean by that. And because you know, I read that you're one of the first guys into the content marketing game. If I don't know if you agree with that, but why is it broken? Um, my talk actually changed at the last minute. Oh, it did. Okay. To uh, data-driven design. Yeah. But so we can talk about both though, because yeah. that content marketing talk is my next talk I'm working on. Okay. But I think content marketing is broken because we start from the wrong place. It's, you know, oh, we need an ebook, or we should do a webinar. Uh, it's it's not done for the right reason. So the approach I want to take now is taking the content. I see you have a microsite for. A landing page course, we have a landing page course. Uh, instead of just creating content for the sake of we need this content, I just step back and think of it from what, because content marketing is great for, well, I did a massive experiment at the start of this year to try and put our product in our content more, because historically, we never talked about our product. It was very soft sell, which is very common in content marketing, yes. right? You're solving, you're, you're describing how to solve the problem. Uh, rather than pushing your product. But I wanted to see if I could fuse the product in there more. So I ran a 30-day experiment where I wrote, my goal was to write 30 blog posts in 30 days in January. I managed 20, um, but it was like 37,000 words. It was a massive experiment and very eye-opening because it, digging into the data, our content converts to people who sign up for Unbounce at 0.3%. I was like, well, okay. that's terrible. What, yeah. you know, why is that? And, uh, and so I reached out to some other people. Same thing, or worse, because and Andy Crestadina from Orbit Media, he describes it best. Like, this, it, having this content raises your profile in the search engines so that you know, the content on your website for actually selling to people that becomes more visible because of the links and the interest you get from the content. The content itself doesn't convert. Right. It helps support people being able to find your core business. So knowing that it's likely to convert very low, it's okay. 
when you realize what its true purpose is. Um, but I still want to try and find a way of, you know, getting the product in there more. So my new concept around that is I'm building, it's called like a marketing optimization map. And it's, it's really about designing choose your own adventure type navigational experiences inside your content. By that I mean um, having interactive pieces of content that allow people to self-select, self-identify who they are. You can then customize experience based on those interactions. So it's a big kind of technical framework tied into Google Tag Manager. It's very, uh, there's a lot of code involved, but yeah. um, what I'm trying to do is figure out what is the behavior that happens for people who convert. So instead of just looking at, let's say, oh, they went to this page and that page and that page, it's more, what are all the nuanced little micro bits of behavior that happen that lead people to become a customer? So I want to understand behavior in a different way. So it's a more technical approach to content marketing. So, um, I mean, it, this brings to my mind Amazon Echo and how things are so tailored, and Amazon specifically, but how things are so tailored to people these days that they want an experience that kind of mimics these, these other experiences that are tailored. Is that sort of with the marketing optimization, is that sort of what you're talking about? Yeah, a little bit. Um, and, and the goal actually as well is to create these content elements based, like starting with, instead of we need this, is starting with the aha moments your customers have. So talk to your sales and customer support teams, and usually sales, and, and you ask them, when you're describing the product, when you're selling it to our customers, what are the triggers that make people go, oh, I get it, and what are those? Then you can take those, and you can design content that accelerates people's path to that. Okay. And so that might be, like for example, um, you can have a page, let's say, about what is a landing page. And you might have a bit of content with kind of tabbed navigation that's, that says, for example, what's your role? And when you have designer, developer, writer, marketer, you're going to click the one that's you. And now I've learned something about you. I can cookie that and I can, somewhere else on the site, I can change the experience and knowing that's who you are. Yes. And also, the video, for example, I show you when you do that, can be the same thing for each different person, like it, it's showing Inside Unbounce, for example. Uh, this is what the, the builder looks like, this is how you use it, but you would change how you speak to them. If it's a developer, you talk about, oh, and it's easy to set up, you take the script and you put it in GTM and you do this. For the manager, you talk about um, optimizing workflow and how it's gonna make you know, efficiencies. When it's the, if it's a designer, like, oh, look, you can cut and paste between these pages like that when you've identified what those aha moments, those are accelerants, personalized accelerants to get people to the aha moment more quickly than they normally would. Um, and let's say you identify as, because uh, we released a benchmark report, so different industries have a convert. So you could use that as the, the, the carrot to say like, oh, you want to get this? It's really cool. Tell us which industry you're in out of these. And when you do that, they get the content but now you know what industry they're right. in. So again, if I'm showing them a video demoing how to use Unbounce, I'm gonna make 10 of those videos and I'm gonna use a different template. I'm gonna do the exact same stuff, but I'll have a travel template or higher education for the person who identified themselves as that. So 
they're going to, A, they're going to see the experience is good for them, but it's going to have a template that resonates with them in there. So again, that's an accelerant to get them to the aha moment faster because it looks like it's done just for them. So it's all about allowing people to self-select and self-identify. I mean, in this industry, optimization is often a buzzword, but I mean, that sounds like optimization to a T and, and sort of when data is, is at the mm -hmm. forefront of what we're doing. I mean, that seems like a perfect way of, of using it to a business's advantage. Yeah, and uh, I'm in kind of hardcore R&D mode for this at yeah. this moment, um, but uh, I'm really excited to see where it can take things. Yeah. So speaking of video, um, landing page sessions, uh, mm. I love those, those, those are pretty cool. Uh, how much importance do you put on video these days um, in, on landing pages and in, in, in general? Is it, is it as uh, important and as necessary as we make it these days? It's like, you know, it's the year of mobile. Yeah, it's the it's year, year of video. video. Yeah, you know, exactly. yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's, video is a massive part of all the content that we see. So it is necessary, but it's also how do you use it, right? That's the bit that we all know we should, but how to use it is, is the more complicated part. So some of those things I was talking about, how using it to personalize the experience yeah. better, it's more work if you have to make 10 of the right. same video. But, it's going to allow you to do things in a different way. Yeah, either make one that doesn't work or ten that do. <laughs> right, so. yeah. And, you know, I was talking in my talk about uh, when we made an explainer video for Mouse.com way back. And we thought it was going to convert like crazy and really make it better. But nobody cared. Because yeah. all it did was explain what was already a simple concept. And so it actually lost in the test. When There's no aha there. there. <laughs> no, it's just like, yeah, yeah, get on with it, get on with it. You tell me stuff I already know from your headline. Yeah. <laughs> so that's you know, an example of doing it wrong. Now, I'm not, I forgot to mention this on stage, I'm not dissing explainer videos. They can be great, unless you do it for the wrong reason. We did it because everyone else was doing it. Yeah. It was trendy. We didn't do it because we had an insight that, oh, they need to know this. We just wrote a script filmed this thing and it was terrible. So you have to be doing it for the right reason. Don't just do video because you can't do video. Mm -hmm. Uncover a problem that needs to be solved through that medium. Right. So I want to talk a little bit about you as a, as a public speaker. I mean, unbalance is one thing you do, but mm. you, you do, how much public speaking do you do in a year? <laughs> Probably a lot. Uh, like 20, 25. Okay. Gigs, yeah. And um, you know, you're, you're highly reviewed, highly renowned. Well, what, what makes a good public speaker and, and what makes a good presentation in your mind? Uh, I think it starts with, uh, it's one of our, we have six core values at Unbounce. We have an unofficial seventh one which is gas, which stands for giving a shit. You know? yeah, okay. It kind of supports all the rest. And I think you have to begin with that, because if you, if you don't care about the experience your audience is going to get, you're not going to be good at it. Um, you know, I, I, I'm pretty obsessive, so when I started speaking, I was just, I was just read tons of books, watched TED Talks every day to just try and you know, see what was good. And, and I obsess over the design of my slides. So I think it's, it's everything. You've got to have great slides. You've got to, you just got to want to do it, really. Yeah. And just getting on stage and just talking, that's not good enough. You know, I always try and educate, entertain, and inspire. And do those three things, I'm doing it right. If something's missing, you know, when I design my talks, I, I do it on a giant whiteboard and map out the flow. But then I plant aha moment, funny moment, tweetable moment or whatever so 
and when you stand back and look at it, you go, oh, there's 10 minutes there, where's nothing funny? So you design a moment that is going to be funny there, because two reasons. One, it's more enjoyable. Most conferences are boring as hell. Uh, so the more humor we can put in there, the better it is for everyone. But also for me, if I'm not making people laugh, they may be loving the content, but I feel less confident about what's happening. But when I get that feedback, oh, yeah. it just gives you more energy. Yeah, so engagement kind of, key, right? Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's, what's your aha moment? maybe with relation to, to Unbalanced and why you started it and, and sort of the, the pivot moment in your life which has kind of led to, to where you are today. Yeah, it's, uh, we have six co-founders. Um, Rick, our CEO, this is way back in 2009. Yeah. Um, he had two ideas, he brought a few of us together, we talked about them, one idea was terrible. <laughs> uh, I don't remember that much about it. Um, landing pages was the other because we've all, we'd all worked together in different companies different startups or big companies and in marketing departments or with marketing departments and it was a constant pain getting landing pages for marketing campaigns because you had to rely on the developer or the IT department. So you know our, our CTO Carl, you know, like Rick was managing the creative team which I was on and Carl's the CTO and they'd be like, hey we need these things built and it's like well I've got two quarters of product lined up, you know, I don't want to spend time building your marketing landing pages. So the need was there, but it's from both sides. So allowing marketers to take control of their own work and build landing pages using a tool frees them up, empowers them to do their work faster, better, and it frees up tech to do what they should be doing, building a product, doing that so everybody gets happier. So, you know, and we, we validated by, we ran Facebook ads, just saying, I don't know the question, but things like, you know, do you have, do you need landing, I can't remember how it's phrased, but it was very clear. Every marketer we talked to that, yep, I have that pain. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, um, you're from Scotland and mm -hmm. you, you moved here to Canada and, and set up shop in Vancouver. What makes Vancouver a, a good spot for, for a tech startup or, you know, any business to start up? I mean, because it's, it's become really popular, but mm -hmm. why is that? I don't know. Um, it's very different. It's funny, when we started, I'd get emails and things on LinkedIn all the time saying, hey, love what you guys are doing. You want to grab a beer uh, at blah, blah, blah. In Palo Alto. In, yeah, yeah. yeah. someplace in San Francisco or something. I'm like, we're, we're not there. Yeah. Like, look a little bit further down on my profile and you see we're in Canada. Yeah. Um, and it's very different there. I think Canada, I don't know if it's different across, it probably is. Um, but from an investment perspective, from raising money, I think it's a little more conservative, like down in the valley, you got VCs just throwing money at people because they want a unicorn, right? So they're just going to throw as much money, spend it really fast, do all that kind of stuff, hoping that one in their portfolio will blow up. We were a little more cautious than that. We only raised what we needed. We raised less than a million because um, we've always known we would raise more if we had an idea of what we do with it or we can't succeed without it, then we go in that path. But we didn't need it, um, and we grew it more organically, and uh, so I think that's a bit of a difference and in mindset. And Vancouver, yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I originally came here because I was leaving Scotland to escape a broken heart oh, <laughs> after no, okay. university, and 
I was like, okay, Vancouver's got the coolest name and it's the furthest away. <laughs> that's a good reason. That's what brought me here. What, was there any truth to the fact that you, you took a really good picture somewhere in the United States and, and that was kind of uh, a way to sort of I come to Vancouver too? Yeah. photo at that point. Okay. But it was, so I was in Lake Louise for five months and then yeah. Vancouver seven, yeah. bought a camper van and drove around the western United States, yeah. all the national parks, bumped into a grizzly bear in... Yeah. Glacier National Park, well, I'm not bumped into, it's like 30 feet away at right. the closest, but, and I was like, oh, this is amazing. I want to be a wildlife photographer. Yeah. So that's, that's what brought, after I went home from my year traveling, yeah. I was like, okay, I got to move to Canada. Yeah. So that's yeah. a big reason why I came back over. Do you still take wildlife photography and landscapes? Is that, is that a big part it's of your life? biggest passion, but I don't get to do it very often. Yeah. When we started the company, I, I hung up my camera for five years. Yeah. Because I don't shoot locally, even though it's stunning here. I, yeah. I like to go somewhere else on a road trip miles away or something. And I couldn't afford to do that yeah. you know, when we started. So uh, then finally, like after five years, I did a, I did a, a solo trip in the southwest, the desert in the US, uh, 30 days in the desert, just by myself, just hiking, shooting, camping, just everything. It was mind-blowing. Ended up in the emergency room twice. <laughs> it wasn't the bison, was it? So my favorite picture I've seen on your website is the bison. It seems like it's charging at you. Maybe we'll put it up on the screen right now, right. but can you tell me what the situation was there and yeah. if that's how you ended up in the emergency room? No, that was actually in Yellowstone, which is probably my favorite place okay. on Earth. Um, it was like, sunrise one morning and there's bison everywhere um, but this one was a female and it was rolling in the dust like exfoliating or just scratching whatever i don't know why it was doing it but it's like the power is insane you know it's just and i was i don't know 50 feet away i was hiding behind the door of my car okay so i had a little bit of safety yeah um yeah that's my favorite photo it's <laughs> interestingly though um when I came back to photography, I'd lost that entire shoot. Every photo from it, I lost them. Wow. And for years, I thought I'd lost them. The only saving grace was that there was one printed copy of it on my parents' wall. So I was like, I'm okay with this. Yeah, because at least it. it's there. Yeah. But I, then I found it. Uh, it was on this old drive, buried so deeply. It took me so long to find it. And like, I couldn't believe it when I found them. Um, but. Uh, I have a bit of a history of bison. <laughs> I've yeah. almost been gored three times. Usually not my own fault. Well, it's always the bison's fault. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> if you get other, the picture, yeah. other people's fault. Yeah. Like the, well, the first time, um, these two bison were fighting. It was the rut. Uh, the males are fighting, and unlike, you know, in a school playground, when there's a fight, everyone crowds around, yeah. right? Not the same uh, when this happens. All the the youngsters and the women, all the, the females, they all run for their lives. Um, and I've been sitting down waiting for this moment, and there was this uh, RV had come up behind me, stupid tourist, uh, rolled down that window and said, What are you looking at? And this way was half a mile of nothing, same in that direction, there's a river behind me, yeah. and then there's a giant herd of bison <laughs> in front. I'm like, What are you thinking? Yeah, what do you think? At? So it was kind of, when you have a big lens, everybody stops, right? Yeah. So often you have to kind of hide it. Mm -hmm. um, so this moment happens, and I kind of lean back, take three shots, and the swirl, the swarm, you know, of bison are running right at me. Yeah. So I get up, turn around, sprint, and those annoying tourists 
were the only reason I didn't get trampled because I turned around and there was a wall of cars behind me. So I just ran through them and then they swerved away because they had nowhere to go. Um, but the, the second and third time were kind of the same as each other. I was sitting, <laughs> photographing them, and I was on this little trail um, and I knew the men disappear at a certain time of the year. So I was just watching the youngsters and the, and the females. And then I hear this, <laughs> and I turn, and it's a massive bull bison, 15 feet away. Yeah. This trail was a wildlife trail, yeah. wildlife corridor. Of course. And it was just right there. So I get up and I sprint, I turn around, there's a, where I have my car parked behind me, there's like 10 tourists there with their phones out, waiting for it to get me. Oh no. <laughs> Nobody warning me. Yeah, they're trying to go viral, right? Yeah, exactly. They're just like, this is going to be awesome. I'm like, yeah. come on. Sometimes. <laughs> Okay, so two questions to end. Mm -hmm. um, because you know, it seems like you're thinking about what's next and, and how to you know, yeah. take the next step. One uh, is, so where do you think you know, the, the, the next big marketing trend is? It's such a tough question and I don't know if you can answer it. But two, with relation to, to photography, mm -hmm. why is it important to you to do that and how much does that creative outlet power what you're thinking about on that, on that other side? Uh, yeah, trend-wise, that, that's, so, that's so hard. Um, I, I'm just trying to create a more nuanced approach to optimization yeah. and to content and, yeah. and uh, hopefully I can make some change by doing that. But the photography thing or anything like that, it's huge for me. Like I live on a whiteboard or sketching, that's kind of where I do all my thinking. Um, but when I need to actually come up with something new, usually it's when I'm driving. So, and so if I'm doing photography, I'm always driving somewhere. That's where I get tons of my ideas. Uh, either I usually get the intros to my talks in the shower. It's <laughs> <laughs> the best place to think. <laughs> Sometimes the day off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all of my ideas come. You know, uh, almost every weekend I'll jump in the car and I'll drive to North Vancouver. I used to live over there, and I just just did that exercise of going somewhere in the car where you can't do anything apart from think. Mm -hmm. That's usually where. So for me, that's kind of where a lot of my creativity begins. So no podcasts, just thinking? Uh, I'm, we listen to podcasts when Nicole's in the car. Okay. Uh, I'm more, I just listen to music, typically. Okay. Um, and sing horrendously and, and rock out. Yeah. Good. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for spending some time with us. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to Marketing Jam. If you enjoyed the show, head over to our YouTube or Facebook and give us a thumbs up and visit iTunes to leave a rating and review. Thanks again, and see you next time. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.